Hello, Sci-Fi fans. This is Lori Holden from The Walking Dead and The X-Files, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Live long and Bad feeling about this. So say we all. This is going to get pretty interesting. Define interesting. The God of God, we're all going to die. Only try to realize the truth. Delicious strawberry flavor. You are listening to the Sci Fi Diner podcast. And now, from the end of the universe, bringing you the latest in science fiction movies and television shows, here are your hosts. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 104, and uh, my name is Scott Hertzog, and I'm one of your hosts here at the diner tonight. And hello, I am Miles P. McLaughlin. And Miles, two days ago, we were hanging out with the beautiful Trisha Helfer. Oh, man. It was wonderful. We had an absolute blast at Shore Leave and had a great time and... uh Hanging out not only with her but many other guests. Your man crush, of course, was there, Christopher Judge. Uh, I'm neither confirming nor denying, but uh, yep. <laughs> I was, but um, I was glad he was there. He shoulder bumped me. I'm he really proud of that. He didn't shoulder bump me. No, though. I didn't wash my shirt yet. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, we had a real good time, and and actually, I'm going to argue that the guests themselves and the interviews we're going to bring you while they were absolutely phenomenal, and we had a great time interviewing this guest. Mm-hmm. What I enjoyed even more was hanging out with the people there, guests, everyone, the people that we've gotten to know over the years. It was a great time to reconnect with uh, friends we've made in the past, and, and I believe we made some new friends along the way. Absolutely, mm-hmm. and it's great. And if you ever get a chance to come to Shore Leave, Shore Leave 34 next year, the dates are even down. I think it's – I don't know. I don't think it's quite – I think it's the weekend after the 4th. Okay. It typically is, and uh, so plan on coming out. And let us know, and we'll have a maybe we'll have a sci-fi diner meetup sometime. I surely that would be great. I learned that telling telling some people I'm, I'm a new convert to Stargate uh, definitely you know was a good thing. It was uh, I was I was I was embraced mightily for you that. know it's it's a, it's an irony because surely really is a, a, originally started out as a Star Trek convention, right? And it's it since has seemed to focus primarily on three different fandoms: mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek. And it focused on Stargate. There's a huge Stargate following there. Sure. And then Battlestar Galactica. Those are the three. And so a lot of Stargate fan groups there, a lot of Star Trek fan groups there, mm-hmm. and no Battlestar fan groups. I haven't even heard of anything. But they bring yeah. a lot of Battlestar Galactica guest actors right. as just a really cool time. And they bring other actors in too. But what a great time we've had. It was, it was, it was awesome. I was exhausted by the end, Miles. Yeah, uh, su- Sunday after – going to bed Sunday, I, I slept till like 11 o'clock in the morning. I was yeah. just uh, – and I went, I went to bed around 12, so it was just yes. – I was tired. So, so to get 11 hours of sleep like that, you had to be tired. Yep. Well, on the docket tonight for tonight's show, we are bringing you an interview with the lovely, the beautiful, 
Laurie Holden from Walking Dead. This is an interview that's been in her queue for quite some time, and we're very excited to bring it. She, of course, was on Walking Dead and The X-Files, which I was very happy about because I'm a huge X-Files fan. And it's our first person from The X-Files and from Walking Dead that we ever interviewed. Yeah. So this is going to be a new show for us to kind of address, and Mm -hmm. uh, you'll hear that along with – we interviewed them – uh, her along with uh, the guys from Autograph Magazine, and so mm-hmm. oh, very good. What Mark Rose from uh, from uh, Autograph Magazine that was in that. So you'll be hearing both of us interviewer, and you'll hearing that a little bit later on in the show. We're going to talk about. Well, we're going to give you our trivia winner because we had a Laura Holden uh, trivia question. We'll be giving that a little bit later on and sharing the prize and who won it. We're going to talk about all the sci-fi shows that debuted this week, and there's a heck of them, heck of a lot of them. Some of them uh, debuted, some of them are coming. Mm-hmm. There's a heck of a lot of sci-fi this summer, Miles. There is, and we, we kind of limited the, the the list we have is a bit shorter just because of uh, we don't want to overload you. But um, there's we'll, we'll put that article on uh, on our Facebook page. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Felicia Day explains why she's perfect for Eureka. Heck, she just explains why she's perfect, period, Miles, not just for Eureka. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We'll talk about five awesome and five awful movie-inspired sci-fi TV shows. So, And maybe some that maybe didn't make the list, but we'll talk about that here in just a little bit. You have some uh, DVD news, right? Right. I I have a DVD review. I just... I watched uh, Green Lantern Emerald Knights uh, just just recently, and uh, there is a new Star Wars Robot Chicken. Oh, yeah, Episode 3. So that will be obviously pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, after the interview, we'll be giving you the twist. And because we just came back from short leave, um, we do have your uh, side 5 and 5 J.P. Harvey that you share. We're going to push it off to next week because we want to share our five top moments each from short leave. So mm-hmm. you get a double side 5 and 5. Nice. Yeah. It's going to be a good show. It's going to be a great show. I think it is absolutely awesome. Well, Miles, are you ready for the trivia? Let's do it. So go ahead. We had a trivia question for this week. Actually, we've had it for about a month now. We had a few people that you know wrote in and said, I want this prize. First off, tell me what the question was. The question was, what does the new show, Falling Skies, have in common with SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis? And there's really no reason they shouldn't have got this answer because yeah, all you have to do is look up Falling Skies, you know, click through the actors that are in it, and voila, mm-hmm. you, you found it out. What was the answer? The answer was Colin Cunningham. Uh, he played our Major Paul uh, Davis on, on, on the Stargate shows, but he also plays the, the very interesting character, John Pope, on Falling Skies. Yeah, probably the one of the most fun characters in a way. And, and what a juxtaposition between the two characters. Oh, yeah. I mean, in Stargate, he is a you know, clean-cut, polished uh, Air Force officer, and, uh, and and in Falling Skies, he plays a uh, you know long-haired uh, felon. You know, yeah. So, and, and our winner is our winner is Jason. So, Jason, congratulations! And he won a pretty awesome prize. What did he win? The, he won the the, the signed uh, Laurie Holden uh, Walking Dead print. Yeah, and along with it, we're sending an unsigned print of her as her character. Marina Corvinus in the X Files. Mm-hmm. So he has two prints. That's two prints, one. but one signed with Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. That's an awesome prize. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm not complaining about that at all. Congratulations, Jason. Yeah, congratulations, and be listening because next week we will have another trivia question, mm-hmm. and it will be a good, good one. It'll be a good one. Yeah, I'm not be- sure what the prize is going to be yet, but we came back with a lot of good loot from short oh, yes. leave. Mm-hmm. So not complaining at all.
Okay, well, let's go into our first promo tonight. And the Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV podcast, we, of course, have played their promo, but they're doing something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. They are doing, for July sometime, the top themes countdown. So I'm not sure if it's the top 100 or top 10 or top 25, but if you want to – Go to their website. I believe you can vote on what you believe should be the top theme. And I think they're talking about musical themes is my understanding. Mm-hmm. Themes that kind of changed, you know, the face of, of it. I, mine would, I think my top theme would have to be the X-Files, Miles. Okay. What would be yours? Oh, I got, I, 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 I don't know. There's so many good ones. I'd have to. I really like the fringe theme too. Fringe is good. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, here in the promo, it was just a fun trip down, you know, down memory lane, right? Yeah, of, of some of these great shows for the, throughout the years. Yeah, well, why don't we play the promo? Let's do it. television themes of all time. Tuning into sci-fi tv.com. And we're back. Welcome back to the sci-fi diner podcast. And, uh, I guess before I, could, I should have started record. I'm just kidding. Um, I should, <laughs> Miles is like cursing my name because we're like 15 minutes into the show and I haven't started record. Although I did, uh, I have done that before, haven't I, Miles? He has. Folks. It has. It has. And uh, thank goodness it is still recording. Well, let's talk about what's going on in TV news. We have some TV news. Mm-hmm. I don't think we have much movie news, but we have some DVD news. We do have some DVD and news. And we have this yeah. week in Trek, and mm-hmm. so we have some stuff to talk about. Definitely. Right. So, um, why don't you start? Uh, is this my piece of news, Miles? I think it is. Okay. No, it's yours. Go okay. ahead. Well, uh, so TV this week, sci-fi's big wee pops with alphas, eureka, and more. And I'll post the whole article on Facebook because uh, it was a long list of shows. Um, so we, we we just we just picked some that we were interested in and some that we know that you as, as our listeners are are, listen, are watching. Oh, this was just made the biggest week sci-fi the network ever had. With six new returning shows premiering, we'll get the new scripted series Alphas and the reality series uh, Legend Quest, along with the premieres of Eureka, Warehouse 13, Haven, uh, Ghost Hunters International. Also this week, the, the Big Bad Wolf goes after Scott and the gang at the high school on Teen Wolf. Chloe meets two more members of, the, of a race in, in Nine Lives of Chloe King. Bender goes into a witness protection on Futurama. Grimes has issues on Ugly Americans. Jack's the only mortal man on Earth on Torchwood. Miracle Day. A legend returns to Forehaven on Outcast. It's it's super eruption on Sci-Fi Saturday night at the movies. Eric goes missing on True Blood. And the camp readies for a, a skitter attack on Falling Skies. Here's what we have to look forward to this week on the Sci-Fi Fantasy Paranormal and Sci-Fi TV. Yeah. 
So, wow, a lot of different things. What are some of the highlights for you, or what are some of the things you want to highlight here? Well, um, I know I know some of our listeners, probably a lot of our listeners, like Eureka. And so uh, for some reason, you and I have not gone into Eureka. We have friends that like Eureka. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think it's a good sci-fi comedy that's on. Mm-hmm. I just have I, I haven't ever gotten into it. I watched some episodes, mm-hmm. and as we mentioned on the listener feedback show, I'm definitely watching this week's episode or next week's episode with Felicia Day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So uh, Felicia Day, settle down, Scott. Okay. <laughs> um, Warehouse 13, of course, has aired this week, and yep, I have yet to watch it, but I will be. So the team in in Warehouse, uh, it's, it's called The New Guy. The team takes on a rock legend's guitar that causes trouble in Jersey City, New Jersey. And Artie, Artie and Claudia meet an ATF agent who could tell when people are lying by looking into their eyes. But where the heck is Micah? Uh, Smallville's Aaron Ashmore joins the cast as Steve Jinx. Yes, and he's, a we think, a recurring character. I think, I, yeah, I do think so. And Alphas, we haven't watched yet, but that pilot accord, of course, premiered, so we were excited about mm-hmm. that. Uh, whatever, Futurama, we aren't watching Futurama, but it's a show that I have enjoyed in the past. I, I've watched a few episodes here and there, and, I, and I've liked it. Yeah. It's not something I, I follow regularly. I am planning to watch Torchwood, mm-hmm. although I had the first one queued up, and I just haven't watched it yet. Mm-hmm. And Haven, we don't watch Haven, do we? No, I've, I've never watched Haven, um, but uh, for those of you that do, it's a tale of two Audreys. Audrey Parker and Nathan must deal with the events that appear to be biblical plagues, as well as a second Audrey Parker who also claims to be an FBI agent. So... Yep, and True Blood, we haven't watched True Blood. No, that's on HBO. Yeah, and I don't pay for it. I guess if you, if you have Game of Thrones and you kept your HBO, you can watch True Blood. Mm-hmm. Falling Skies, we of course are watching and we like it. Enjoying it immensely. Yeah, yeah. So there's other shows out there. If you're watching any of the other shows we hinted at or mentioned earlier, um, please, if you think we should be watching True Blood or we should be watching Teen Wolf or Eureka, convince us. Let us know why we should be watching these shows. Sell us on the merits of these Yeah, shows. because uh, we have other shows that we've put as a priority, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, Miles, at least, is pretty open-minded and willing to be convinced. I'm a little bit harder to convince. Well, yeah, and it's also just time. I mean, we're, we're watching enough TV as it is. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I, you know what? I, I have this thing, I have this sling box that I could you know, really be watching these TV shows when I'm on the treadmill, but okay. I've never gotten it to work very well. Okay. So, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I may have to tr- give it another try to catch up on some of my TV shows that I'm unable to catch up on. But Well, uh, here's the next piece of news, and it is that quirky Felicia Day tells us why she's just perfect. Do you think she's quirky? Uh, yes, I do think she's quirky, but it actually is why she's perfect for Eureka. Okay. Not just perfect, you, although she is perfect. But you, you you find that an attractive quality in her. Yes, definitely. She's definitely – I remember quite fondly two years ago standing with my arm – Perched around Felicia Day. Me too. Um, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I remember it better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, he, Fel- <laughs> go ahead. Um, oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, he, he was. It, it was embarrassing, folks. He was, you know, drooling on her. It was. Uh, it was a bad scene. Yeah, and then there's you and Trisha Halford. Come on. Well, we'll talk about that later. We'll talk about embarrassment. I stayed away from Miles the entire con. Uh, Felicia Day, who's joining Eureka as Dr. Holly Martin for season 4.5 of the sci-fi series, admits that her character is not the most functional or social person. person. But as behind-the-scenes interview reveals, she can still be a heck of a lot of fun. Says Day, I'm kind of the quirky person, so I think my quirky quirk definitely fits perfectly into the Eureka universe. To find out why, well, you'll just have to read the rest of the article, which we will post a link to it in our show notes. But uh, 
So yeah, that sounds good. Felicia Day on there. And you know, I think when you look at Eureka, Eureka is all about the quirks in these people. Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when you see these characters, these are quirky characters. I think she fits right in the show. Yeah. And, um, when Allison Scaliotti uh, guest starred on it, I mean, I, I th- yeah, she was a perfect fit on that show. Also, she's quirky too. She is. It's definitely quirky. Mm-hmm. God bless her. <laughs> we need to have her back on the show. Definitely. Um, to go ahead. So our next 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 bit of news: um, five awesome and five awful movie inspired uh, sci-fi TV shows. What's the best way to make milk a movie without making countless sequels? Why you turn to a TV show? Of course, it's a tricky method that can either help or hurt the original. But it's a risk, and a lot of studios are willing to take to build a franchise. We found five awesome and five completely awful movie-inspired TV shows that made us hate and love the properties all over again. Right. So are we starting with the positives? Let's start with the positives. Start with the positives. I think one of them was Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire Slayer was a box office bomb that was panned by critics. When you're that low in the totem pole, there's nowhere else to go but up. Creator Joss Whedon went to the WB and got a new cast, added a vampire love interest, Angel, David Boreanaz, a.k.a. Okay, forget it. Uh, <laughs> got rid of Buffy. I was going was to say Eddie McClintock. But uh, got rid of Buffy's valley girl persona and turned her into a real heroine. So I would agree that's certainly a step up. Oh, there's the, – the, the TV show definitely upstages the movie big time. Yeah. Go ahead. The next one, which has become uh, an, an obsession of mine, is Stargate SG-1. Stargate kickstarted not one, but several TV shows. Stargate, Stargate Atlantis, uh, SGU Stargate Universe, and even made a few for TV movies. Our fa- favorite of the bunch was Stargate SG-1, which was led uh, by MacGyver, a.k.a. Richard Anderson. Uh, later on, uh, Bo Bridges got in on the action. The series lasted for 10 seasons, we have to admit. It was, it was more awesome than the original movie. Yeah, and I thought them. They aren't saying the original movie was bad. I enjoyed the original movie. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the original movie too, and I'm gonna eventually, you know, want, want to watch it again. Just to, yeah, we should do a rewatch in that sometime. I, I, I hopefully Kevin might be up for that. Yeah, well, we'll have to see. We have a lot of good material coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dead Zone. Who knew that Anthony Michael Hall could take over the role previously played to perfection by Christopher Walken? Nobody does creepy like Walken, but but Hall's acting in the dead zone was a pleasant surprise. The show was an adaptation of the 1983 film that was based on the Stephen King novel of the same name. We stayed glued to the screen for six spooky seasons before Hall and his deadly visions were finally laid to rest. I did watch uh, about a season of the dead zone. Absolutely loved it. I think mm-hmm. I stopped watching it because of time. Yeah, I, I did watch it occasionally, and and, it, and I always enjoyed it. Never saw the movie. No, I never saw the movie either, so I have nothing to uh, compare it to. But uh, no, I, and I, I thought Anthony Michael Hall did a really good job. Yeah, uh, he was great in that. Yep. Hard to believe he was the guy from um, Breakfast Club. Yeah, there was another one with the science one. Oh, Weird Science. Yeah, he was also from Weird Science. He, he was in a lot of those uh, Rat Pack eighties movies. Uh, who was in the Weird Science? Is that Vanessa Angel or there was another actor we interviewed that was in Weird Science? Oh, I think it's only. I only know of Vanessa. Well, Vanessa Angel was in the TV show. Um. There was another one we interviewed. Oh, I forget. I can't remember. We'll have to. Yeah. So ooh, look for that, anyway. look for that later. <laughs> oh, he was. She was in the Weird Science TV show. Is what you're saying? Yeah, but yes, Angel. That's yes. what I was thinking. Yes. Okay. Next is Highlander the series. Uh, there can only be one. Really? We liked Highlander the movie, but we love the TV series. Move over, Connor McLeod. We'll take your TV counterpart, Duncan, any day. Highlander stood out. 
because Duncan Adrian Paul wasn't a, wasn't a spinning image of uh, Connor played like Christopher Lambert. He was a different character and he had his own thing going. He wasn't a, a cheap knockoff and and he wasn't a big enough draw. Uh, the show had the best opening theme ever. Great. Never saw the TV series. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't either. Uh, I have seen some of the movies. Okay. Occasionally, mm-hmm. Terminator, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. We absolutely love the show. If you've been listening to this podcast, you know that we love the TV series. Mm-hmm. We also like the movies overall. Sure. In general. Mm-hmm. Um, we might catch some flack for this one, but Terminator Sarah Connor Chronicles wasn't that bad. The show only lasted two seasons that got canceled when it was really getting its groove. John Connor was turning less emo, and it looked as if him and Cameron's relationship was going somewhere. We know it's creepy because she's a machine, but there was some real chemistry there. You all saw it. Hey, there's nothing wrong with liking a machines. Ask Miles. Trisha Helfer was at the con this past weekend. If they look as good as Trisha Helfer, you know. Or for that matter, Summer Glau. Or Summer Glau. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> We're all, we all could use some good machine love. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I'm open-minded. Enough. <laughs> but, you know, I'm not sure it was uh, certainly better than maybe some of the Terminator movies, but I really enjoyed Terminator Salvation. I might get flack for that. And, you know, the first Terminator movies were pretty, pretty groundbreaking. The, the first one, yeah, the first, yeah, you're right. They were all, the first two were definitely groundbreaking. I mean, the, um, one, one, I think probably really launched, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's career to the stratosphere. And I think two was groundbreaking because, I mean, it, it, it used, well, it was a very expensive, it was one of the most expensive movies to be made at the time. And the whole, uh, T-1000, I mean, this was back in 90 when this, when this movie came, or 91 when it came out. And that, that was cutting edge technology with the whole liquid metal, uh, Terminator. Right. Well, let's go into the five worst adaptations. Oh, yes. So some of, the, so, so some of these adaptations didn't go so well. Yeah. And, uh, why don't I start out with this one? Um, Time Cop in 1997, the movie, of course, the only good thing about the film Time Cop was John Claude Van Damme. And that's not saying much, but the geniuses over at ABC thought that it would be a great idea to adapt it for TV. They hired a new lead, Ted King, and sent him on a zany adventures across space-time continuum. The end result, one of the most boring and random sci-fi shows we've ever seen. Time Cop wasn't just the same without Van Damme and his signature split kick. Did you see this series? I did watch a couple episodes, and it was horrible. It was great. So you agree that <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the next one was RoboCop. Um, um, I, I did enjoy the first movie, the second movie, eh, third movie, eh. Uh, but the TV show, there was a time in history when RoboCop was everywhere. He had his own serial and coloring book and a live-action TV series that aired in both the U.S. and Canada. It somehow lasted 22 episodes, and even though it shouldn't have made it past the pilot, it took everything we loved about the original film and watered it down. There was cartoonish violence, bad acting, and, and did we mention bad acting? And so, yeah. um, and I, I think this was on syndication and I think it was on at weird times during the day. I try, I think I tried to watch one and it was just, it got syndicated on 22 episodes. So that's unusual. Yeah, I, I guess maybe, it was, maybe it was just a station re-airing it to fill a time slot. That, but, that could, that could be, but it's probably in Fox. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, the crow stairway to heaven, which by the way, is just a terrible title. Um, uh, Mark. How do you say that last name? Mark DeSacos. Oh, I'll take it. Miles said it, not me. Mm-hmm. Uh, had to make some questionable career choices, see Double Dragon, and this was one of them. The Crow, Stairway to Heaven, never worked for us because it didn't stick with the original tone of the film. It seemed too happy. The cheap special effects and bad action sequences didn't help either. The poor show never stood a chance. Well, when you think of The Crow, you don't think happy, that's for sure. 
Exactly. I mean, this yeah. is you want to slit your wrists and go emo. Oh. I mean, this is a guy that comes back from the dead to an act. Right, right. Revenge. It's a pretty dark, pretty dark film, you know. Exactly, and uh, I, I, I even tried giving this a chance, also, and yeah, I just couldn't. Uh, I never saw it. I did see the crow. Never saw the the series. Uh, go ahead, tell us about Logan's Run. Logan's Run, nineteen seventy seven. This is a classic example when bad TV happens to good movies. Logan's Run was an amazing sci fi film, but the TV show was over the top and cheesy. We get that it was the seventies, and they had to market it to a wider audience. But did they really have to make it so disco esque? What is Logan's Run? Was it Logan's Run or was it Charlie's Angels? You tell us. It's no wonder it only lasted one season. <laughs> well, you know, it was nineteen seventy seven. I saw a few of them, and and. and some of it was pretty good. Some of it was, you know, a lot of cheese factor. Yeah, it, laughable. It just if you see some of the costumes, it's just, uh, um, yeah, that's, there's a reason why it only lasted a season. <laughs> well, let's look at the last one. Planet of the Apes came out in 1974. How many different ways can you show us a world dominated by apes? By the time the show hit the air, there had already been five Planet of the Apes movies. Not two or three, but five that harped on the same premise. This show, along with the animated series that was released the following year, really beat a dead horse. Or should we say ape? They beat it, skinned it, burned it alive before they finally let it go. Oh, wait a minute. We forgot. Rise of the Planet of the Apes is heading to a theater near you. Sigh. And uh, I guess they're including the Mark Wahlberg movie in those five movies. Are they talking about five original movies? Um... I'm trying. I, I, I don't D- know because Dane I'm, Ward would know because he is a Planet of the Apes aficionado, yeah, the um, lawgiver. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I don't. I honestly don't know. Dayton, if you're listening and you know, you can let us know. So, but, but yeah, I, I, I did. I remember years ago when I was a kid, they were re-airing the Planet of the Apes movies, and they also re-aired the TV show, yeah. and uh, it was okay for what it was. Yeah. So I guess the question we have for you guys listening. Uh, which which TV uh, adaptation did you loathe or love of a movie? Mm. So if you saw a sci-fi movie and it was made into, you know, a, uh, a you know a TV show, let us know what you liked and we didn't. The other way to, is to reverse that. What TV shows did you see made into movies and that you liked or loved? We would love to hear from you in both accounts. Mm. You know, yeah, I, I think probably you know probably Stargate was probably, and I, and I don't think I'm saying this because I'm biased because I like it, but. Probably it was probably the most successful. Well, certainly the longest running. Yeah. Although Buffy had a good uh, six seasons, five seasons. I don't know. Kevin sure. Batchelder would know. I forget. I can look it up on IMDb, but I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. Well, Miles, it's time for us to hit some DVD news. Why don't you take it away? You are going to review for us the Green Lantern. So this is Green Lantern, Emerald Knights. As the home plant of the Green Lantern Corps faces a battle with an ancient enemy, Hal Jordan prepares a new recruit, Aresia, for the coming conflict by relating stories of the first Green Lantern and several of Hal's comrades. Nathan Fillion lends his voice to uh, Hal Jordan, Green Lantern, other well-known voices, uh, Henry Rollins, Roddy Piper, and Kelly Hugh. I found Emerald Knights enjoyable, but I wish the battle at the end had had more content. I I found Emerald Knights was a device to give the viewer the backstory of other Green Lanterns, the animation was beautiful. The voice talents were quite good. I'd give it a three and a half out of five stars. Yeah, what, what? Fillion's in it, right? Fillion, yeah, yeah, Fillion is in it. So, I mean, you, this is a, uh, I, I think I have to watch it, run it. You rented it. It's not on streaming, right? Yeah, you have to, yeah. Definitely have to run it. Mm-hmm. Well, something sounds like I'm going to at least rent. Is it, let me ask you this. Can I watch it with my son? 
Probably not. I think some of the some of the action scenes probably be a little too heavy. Too for intense. Too intense. Yeah. So I'm still stuck in Voltron. You're still stuck in Voltron and He-Man and She-Ra and Iron yeah. Man and everything else, which are still fine. Right. I like them. Good animation. I, I do want to say also they they had a when you rent one of these they, they have a special features and there's usually a a a teaser coming attractions for the things are coming ahead and they're going to do an animation to the comic book series Batman Year One. Oh yes, and now there's been, I think there's a trailer out for that. So, and from what 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 they've been saying, this is definitely not something you, you you'll see with your young son. But it's something that looks pretty good as well. Oh, I'm sure it's going to be quite enjoyable. Yeah. But it's 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 for more of an adult audience. Yeah. Well, this this uh, DVD that came out is not one that you reviewed, but one that we are going to talk about, and that is Star Wars Episode Three, Robot Chicken. Yes, and I have seen the, <laughs> you know part one and part two, and. Uh, uh, I enjoyed both of them, but there is a review for this so far. If you could stomach Family Guy and you at one point owned a Star Wars lunchbox, I'll bet you got your money's worth out of Robot Chicken. Star Wars 3 with a revolving door of pop culture references, recognizable voice talents, and of course a plethora of Star Wars trivia, both big and small, for a short 45 minutes. This special just was crack. Excuse me. This this special just might crack your ass up. <laughs> I guess I should reveal my, my stat, status as a Family Guy hater. First and foremost, while I recognize that Robot Chicken and the now iconic animated show are two different, two separate entities. Though Seth, Seth MacFarlane does some work here. They both cover the same kinds of territory, and they both have Lucasfilm endorsed uh, Star Wars spoofs on the market. And even though I'll give anything Star Wars twice as much credit it probably deserves, I've watched that holiday special an ungodly number of times. <laughs> this disc is way up, way too Family Guy esque for my tastes. But 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 who gives a crap? This kind of comedy is exceptionally popular right now. So the musings of a Star Wars nerd doesn't get it. It's pointless to elaborate on. The question then becomes. Is it worth it? Yeah, the list price of the high-definition disc is lower than usual, but even a handful of bonus goodies, it's still pretty darn thin. That being said, however, while I don't share the, the draw to it, I acknowledge the stoner appeal of things like Family Guy and Robot Chicken, and if they're your, your cup of tea, I can't imagine anyone loving one of them and hating the other, then this Blu-ray disc will probably get some heavy rotation in your player. For a built-in fan base, it's worth $20. Oh, so it's only about 20 bucks. It's not bad. Yeah, so I'm still going to check it out. Um, I laughed my head off watching the, the first two, so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't argue with that. It sounds good. I definitely might have to put it into my, I definitely might. That's pretty committed, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a real committed watcher of this. I might, I might put this into my Netflix queue and watch it. I have tons of my queue already, so I need to get mm-hmm. caught up on my Star Trek first, but it might end up there. Mm-hmm. If you're watching Robot Chicken, Star Wars Episode 3, let us know what you think. Yeah. So, I'm sure there's gonna be some nice good gags in it. So, oh yeah. As always. Well, Miles, it is time for you to do the twist. Okay. Not literally. No, no, twist. not literally. No, no, no. You don't but want this to is the twist this week in Star Trek. So I found these these two articles on uh, on Chris and Charity Woods' website, SoSysCommunic. So I want to thank them for uh, providing them. Uh, so CBS Interactive launches an official Star Wars uh, Elcar's iPod app. Um, CBS Interactive just launched a brand new app for the iPad that emulates the familiar Elcar's interface form, uh, TNG to Voyager. It, and you can hear right now from Scott's uh, iPad. Uh, we're huge Elcar fans here at Subspace Communicate, and if we had an iPad, it would be on there yesterday. The app not only emulates Elcars, but gives the user what looks like an Im- immersive experience with a full Star Trek database that catalogs aliens, ships, places, and technology from their franchise. Called the Star Trek Pad, it includes authentic Elcars, sounds, plus the computer voice prompts voiced by the first lady of Star Trek, the late late Magil Barrett. All of you iPod fanatics out there, get your your Picard 
on and party like it's 2379. Check out the description and the link below on his article. Yeah, and we'll put that description in. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you, I, I, I explored this app a little bit today, downloaded it today. Um, it's four ninety nine. Oh, it's not bad. So not terrible, especially mm-hmm. when you get the entire database of Star Trek. Oh, you yeah. get to see ships. You get to see photos. Um, the only thing that I think would be great if they would be able to put like embed clips of these shows. Okay. Or like put um, you know little videos of the characters. Mm-hmm. I think it would really make the app stand out. Maybe they did, and I just haven't explored it far enough yet. Mm-hmm. But it's a pretty thorough dirt database. Any characters appear in Star Trek's here. Any episode titles here. Literally so, find it. Uh, probably a a, a, a a bookshelf full of books in one little app. Basically. I mean, that's a, that's a ton of information. Now, I don't think it covers the books, but, I mean, they talk about, you know. Well, uh, like the Star Trek, I'm thinking like Star Trek, like encyclopedias. Or oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, things, not, not novels, but just, you know. You know, who, you know, um, Larry Nemechek would love this app. He oh, probably has it. I'm sure he does. Yeah. He probably wrote it. We just don't know it yet. I'm sure they consulted with him. I mean, uh, uh, I'm sure they did. He, yeah. he, being he knows all things Star Trek. Yeah. Well, the next article is um, Trek in the Park returns to Portland with the Star Trek classic. Mirror, That's Mirror. right. Portland does do these uh, Star Treks in the park thing. I wish they do them out here. <laughs> well, we, we, we got Shakespeare in the park, but we don't get Star Trek in the park. Right. You never heard Shakespeare until you heard it in the original Klingon. I know. So for the last three years, Portland residents have been enjoying live action original series episodes being performed in an outdoor setting. Trek in the Park returns this year to offer up the classic episode, Mirror, Mirror. As a Trek fan, you've got to be familiar with this episode. It's one of our favorites. Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, and Ahura experience problems with the transporter and are sent to an alternate universe. You know the universe where Spock rocks a goatee and awesomeness ensues. If you haven't seen it, turn in your uh, Trek fan card. Stop what you're doing and jump to Netflix. We'll give you the card back when you finish the episode. Trek in the Park is presented by uh, Atomic Arts and is set to run in the Woodland Park from July 9th through 31st on Saturdays and Sundays at 5 p.m. So, so I guess if you're in Portland, go see uh, Trek in the Park. That we be, will not. Yeah, but that would be cool. Maybe we can get a video online. Someone can videotape. I'm sure somebody's going to record it. Yeah. yeah, I'm sure. Put it up in YouTube. Let us know if you find it. Mm-hmm. So, sounds good. Well, thanks, Miles, for sharing this week in Trek. My pleasure. Yeah, by this weekend track, it's been a this weekend in track with Q and everything. Oh, so with, 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 yeah, it was, we had two actors that were in the original, an episode of the original series, and we had Q, so it was a. Yeah, and we'll be bringing you interviews somewhere down the line with all three of those. Yep. It'll be very, it'll be good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but by the way, did Chris Wood ever say anything about you standing, you know, with a subspace communication shirt beside Trish Halfer? Yes, he, yes, he did. <laughs> oh, what, what did he say? Um, he just, he thanked me for rocking the, the subspace comm shirt. <laughs> so I don't know if he's, he, I don't know if he's seen the ones with me with the, with the, uh, replica phaser rifle yet, but. Oh, that's awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, Miles, before we go into our wonderful interview with Laurie Holden, we have one more promo to make, or make. We're not going to make it. We're going to play it. And these are from the good guys at the Aussie Geek Podcast. They, of course, are part of the Lifestyle Pod Network, which some of you may not realize. We're actually a part of a network of podcasts. It's actually an Australian network of podcasts, even though we're not Australian. Um, um, and a good group of co- podcasts from the Lifestyle Pod Network. And this is called the Aussie Geek Podcast. And they just talk about not just Australian tech or geekness, but worldwide geekness. And it's a really good podcast. Bonus, you get to hear it with an Aussie accent overall. Nice. Very cool. So here it is. The Aussie Geek Podcast brings you the best from the world of technology. 
Each week, Dave, Kate, and Keith, the token Canadian, bring you the highlights from the week's technology news, along with great software finds and the best of the web. The geeks are joined by friends of the show who bring their own unique and global perspectives on the world of technology and the way we live in it. Join us each week for the Aussie Geek Podcast. Subscribe today in iTunes or visit us at AussieGeekPodcast.com. The Aussie Geek Podcast. Bloody awesome tech. And we are back. Miles, we are about to bring people this long-awaited episode, uh, interview, I guess, with Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead and the X-Files. Do you remember this interview? Oh, I do. Um, it was uh, – we weren't really sure we would get this, and so it was uh, it was a nice bonus that we did. Yeah, for some reason and, – and we love Farpoint, but for some reason, the way they did this whole interview process this year was a bit weird. Uh, we kind of – they had all the podcasters and media kind of meet in one room and then we'd get like 10 minutes to interview each guest. And the podcasters, they only let interview two of the three guests. So we brought you all three guests because we were in able to sit in on all the interviews. But the only people we were able to really interview was Laurie Holden and Tom O'Pennican. Right. And with Laurie Holden, they wouldn't allow anyone in that place but us and the other guy that were interviewing him. That was uh, it was a bit weird, and I think that was partly her request. Yeah, I think she might have been a little. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Gun, just, gun shy, maybe. Yeah, I mean, just I guess concerned about what because this was being on the internet and being that we're you know we're not really official media services, I guess. And yeah, so. it was a bit. It was a bit weird for. I think this was her first fan con. Mm-hmm. If I'm correct, and she had done like San Diego Comic Con, but that's quite a different experience there. Exactly, and but but I think in the end, I think she kind of warmed up to us, and yeah, uh, and I think you know she you know was very gracious about getting a picture with her, and so but the interview went well. It was just yeah, a, it was good, and you'll hear you'll hear in the interview Mark Gross from Autograph Magazine and Miles and I interviewing her, and at different segments depending on the questions, I kind of reordered the questions so it made a little bit of sense and a little bit of a, a logical flow to the interview. And I w- want to just say. Uh, in talking with Wayne from uh, Sci-Fi Pulse, uh, um, Wayne, if you hear this, uh, I, in talking about what, what, talking about what to ask her, you had a great question, and, and uh, I want to give you credit for the question. There's a question that I asked her, but it's a question that you, you thought about is just uh, um, just some of the intense emotional scenes uh, uh, she had as far as far with with some of the things going on, and so I just want to give you credit for that, Wayne. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, it was a, we had, we had a real good time with this interview. We hope you enjoy it. This is. Laurie Holden from the X-Files and Walking Dead. Son of a bitch, I'm gonna kill you. Just chill out, Andrea, back off. Andrea goes through quite a journey. When the apocalypse happened, she fights for injustice. She's compassionate to help other people, and I think she has a very strong moral code. Gwen. Just in case. There's a lot of things that happen to Andrea that test her mettle, 
that um, test her heart. You just rang the dinner bell. She's a survivor and a leader, and I think that she has a strength and resilience that even she didn't know she had. What is that? Andrea is a little bit different than the comic book. I think it was a very smart decision that Frank made. Having Andrea be 12 years older than Amy as opposed to two, it's um, a much deeper, richer, and more complicated relationship. My sister. She's still such a kid in some ways. She loves mermaids. I think her entire world is about her little sister. Would it be considered looting? Don't think those rules apply anymore. Do you? She's trying to protect her sister, but she's also trying to repair and rebuild this relationship in a world that has no hope. They're leaving us. No, no, come back. I mean, these are pretty powerful things to play in a six episode arc on television. I just never see that. It's a gift. It's a real gift. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this morning we are with the lovely uh, Ms. Lori Holden. Thank you for uh, taking time to speak with us on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast. Great to be here. How did you become an actress? What gave you the bug? Did you were you thinking about doing that when you were lo- little? And but how did how'd you get involved in that? Yeah, that's kind of tricky. My um, my whole family's in the business, so uh, when I came out of the womb, they basically were like, "Voila!" <laughs> <laughs> you better go into you it. You better yeah. go into it. Um, so I, I did it as a kid. And as a teenager, but it was never really something that really impassioned me. It was more just kind of a way to, you know, make some mad money. Yeah. But um, great mad money. Great now, mad, I'm mad sure. money. Yeah. Uh, Good. Well, what would you have done if you hadn't become an actress? What what was what profession would you think you would have tackled? Well, back then, um, I really loved math, so I, I studied economics at McGill University. Wow. So I thought I was going to be an investment banker. You know, very different. <laughs> wow. Um, and then, I don't know, somewhere in college, I just kind of got the bug and felt more theatrically inclined and wanted to tell stories and made the switch. Nice. And now I'm, like, in love with what I do. And, and I as are we in your many varied roles. Oh, you're fantastic you. in all your roles. Um, you're doing a role that zombies are running amok. Do you personally love that sci-fi, horror genre type role? Have you ever been a fan of, of that genre before? Um, you know, not so much to be honest because I take it with me and I, it haunts me and it stays in my head and I can't sleep and then I look at the bed <laughs> and, you know, all that jazz. Um, but I love being a part of it yeah. and I think that since I, since doing it and being a part of it, I can, I can appreciate the art form even more. Sure. And, um, because the makeup's incredible on that, and then oh, great you know the when they were coming genius. into the camp, and and you know, in, in character as your sister got eaten and died. I mean, yeah. see, I mean, you were like they're all over, yeah. and I, I had always wondered, oh, am I a fan of this while I'm doing it, or yeah? Because we're all fans sci-fi and horror, and I wondered how much you were. Um, I um, I'm increasingly more so um, as as I get. I think that the, there's just amazing stories. Yeah. In sci-fi and horror, and that's what I've learned. Well it's, put, yeah. You know, I think sometimes um, sci-fi and horror gets a bad rap because they think it's just going to be a gore fest, 
And there's that. And it's not, yeah. But there's also, you know, really amazing yeah. characters. Well, like this Walking Dead, you're in. It's about survival yeah. and surviving what has happened to the world. Do you have any input on your character at all on the set on The Walking Dead? Do you Can you say anything that you'd like to see her do? Absolutely. Um, very, very much so. Because you're all very creative. So. Very, very much so. Um, uh, I mean, e- just even in the preliminary... Uh, discussions about my character um, I you know because there was not a lot about who Andrea was prior to being the gun-toting badass right. that falls in love with Dale sure so um, so I wrote this biography of who I thought she was in terms of her education and what wow. she did and her hopes nice backstory and, yeah because I wanted to really flesh flesh her out and then I, I I went to Frank Darabont with it and said you know am I on track and he was actually like wow that's a great idea I want to write that in an episode and then other stuff, he was like, well, I think that's, you know, maybe veering off a bit. So he really helped me tailor, sure. make her so that I really I really got what made her tick. And, 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 one of, and, and one of the things that I really appreciate is I'm very passionate about human rights. Good. Um, I'm actually um, getting my, my master's at Columbia University. Hiatus. Wow. And, um, and Frank asked me what kind of a lawyer I wanted to be. And uh, so... I said I wanted to be a human rights lawyer because I, I wanted her to be the kind of person that cared about people. Good. So that when it's the end of the world, that translates into comes out of, empathy sure. and how she's going to You can tell, with too. Anyway, you can tell that character's got that. Oh, thank you. Have you met, uh, I think it's Robert Kirkland, that, uh, Kirkman. that Kirkman, that's the producer. Have you met him? Has he been oh, on yeah. set? How is How is he with you guys? Does he... Um, he's cool. I mean, he's got a really offbeat anything? sense of humor. Does he? So the first time I met him... Um, you know, I was nervous because he created my character. Sure. I'm like, you know, you like me, you know, you have to have a decision. <laughs> and it was episode four, which was a heavy episode, yes. you know, with yes, my, my sister yeah. being bit by a zombie. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, when I first met him, we were all kind of, you know, a little nervous because it was like me, me and the Godfather. Yeah, yeah, he you created know? what he you're created doing. what yeah. we're doing. Um, but he's, he's very supportive and... Uh, we've, we've been on this amazing press tour. We went to Madrid together. Yeah, and, I heard, right. Um, he's got a great sense of humor. and Good. Um, he seems pleased. Good. On the set of The Walking Dead, uh, since you've been shooting, I, I want to hear one anecdote or story, some quip that you can tell us that's humorous, funny, something wild that nobody else knows to this point. I want to be the first one to know. Tell me something that nobody knows about The Walking Dead. Somebody that nobody knows? Nobody knows. I mean, you and personally, but I mean fan base. No fan has ever heard a story about The Walking Dead. What would you think would be a good story? Um, could be behind the scenes, could be while you're shooting, could be anything. Well, not. I can tell you something that not many people know. Okay. I don't know. No, that's fine. That's good. I don't know if, like, breaking yeah, private yeah. news, but um, yeah, no. <laughs> we, uh, we're a fun bunch, and, um, and we all love Michael Jackson. Okay. So we would put on Thriller, and we would all like oh, what else? Thriller dance like you know zombies. like zombies. And uh, so there's been quite a few mornings where we're like getting ready for the day, and we put on Thriller, and like all That's of us are. Has like, anyone <laughs> shot any of that? Is any camera? No. You got, uh, you I need know. to do that as an outtake. I know, but then I do the, the Michael Jackson like the the, the the knee swivel. You know how it okay, comes you up. Do that really well? <laughs> I don't know how well it is, but whatever I do, and everybody laughs. Probably because it's not so. Well. No, no, it's not because like Elaine from Seinfeld. I'm sure you nail it. What tidbit? If any, are you allowed to tell me without killing me that we can expect from your character and 
you know the role that you're doing in the set of The Walking Dead. There's, I mean, it's you've got you just got renewed. I know that you're doing more. You're shooting now. I'm sure. Yeah. What What do you think? Can you tell us about your role, or or just The Walking Dead itself that won't give too much away that you can let us know to, to look forward to a little bite, as it were. Bite. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> next season we're gonna meet some more really cool, interesting characters, some real fan-favorite characters. Okay. Um, I think we're going to find out a lot more about Daryl Dixon. Right on. Um, and you're going to see Andrea slowly emerging into the badass sheet. Nice. Meant, to, meant be. to be. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, after your sister, come on. You're oh just... You're, it's a hard thing to deal with yeah. if, if this were true life, so... Well, I mean, she's got to make a choice to live or die at this point and get it together, and I think yeah. there's going to be a switch. And yeah, you were close last time in a few episodes. You weren't sure even when you uh, you wanted to deal with things. So yeah. it's a great character you play. Oh, thank you. Great. Well, we're on the road, mm-hmm. and um, I think that the next chapter would be Herschel's Farm. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you familiar with the graphic novel? I have not read it yet. No. Okay, but it follows the graphic novel. Yes, it, it follows it pretty closely. So, um, so I think Herschel's farm is next, and I think we'll spend a considerable amount of time there before we get to the prison. Very good. Yeah, I was going to say the Walking Dead has done a real good job of following pretty closely, maybe not exact, but pretty closely to the way the graphic novel reads. Yeah, but you know what? It, you know, I mean. Because you're never going to please everybody, <laughs> no, and of not. you know there there are deviations from the comic book, and people get you know bent out of shape. But the truth of the matter is, it needs to be a little bit different, or there isn't an element of surprise. Right. I mean, we're always going to honor Robert Kirkman's source material because it's sheer brilliance. I mean, it's fantastic. But you know, I think that as much as maybe comic book lovers say that they don't want a deviation from the comic book. Um, you don't want to see exactly what you already know. Right. And uh, we're just fleshing it out a little bit more. But if, if people get too upset, I know Frank Darabont's going to always go back to the original source material. Mm-hmm. Now, the makeup that he used for the zombies is very convincing and scary, at least for us, the viewers. Uh, how is it up close? And is it still scary looking to work that close? Or is it a little oh, bit... Oh, yeah, it's disgusting. <laughs> it's horrifying. Um Greg Nicotero is a genius um, and a very dear friend, and I—I I mean, it's—it's it's great for weight loss because I can't even eat my lunch most days because <laughs> they're so gruesome and so disgusting, and it looks so real that you—you you, you literally just get sick to your stomach when you when you get up close, and they smell awful. No, no offense, all my fellow zombies. <laughs> No, is that intentional or is that just the makeup itself, the smell? It's the makeup. It's probably like the glue and right. everything that puts it together, together all the prosthetics. Um, but, I mean, they really look uh, amazing. I mean, Bicycle Girl, mm-hmm. I, I mean, it's it's as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, they've done an amazing job. The smell thing is interesting. I wouldn't have thought with it being makeup that it would, you know, okay. Um, I think it's prosthetics, but I also think it's the heat. And I think um, maybe heat and glue with prosthetics and rubber. I mean, it's it's not always a, a great combination. I mean, we don't smell good, and, you know, we don't have anything on us. Right. Well, then it's, you don't have to act too much to get that yeah, We're covered in bug spray and, you know, dying of heat. Where are you guys filming the show at? In Atlanta. Okay. I in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. 
in a program about zombies, you, you've had some great heartfelt scenes uh, in Walking Dead. You had to put your sister out of her misery, and then your character is having an ex- existential crisis at the end. I know many people are moved to tears uh, watching the. Uh, this is more, more confident question, but uh, I think you and your fellow cast members have really brought a lot of humanity to the show. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. How hard was it to do that scene? Uh, which one? The one, the one where you're outside the. Uh, where you have to shoot your sister. Where I have to shoot my where sister. She comes back to life, and you get to say those final words. Then, yeah, it was. It was. Um, I would say it's the most challenging work I've ever done on film. Um, and definitely the most rewarding. And, you know, it's a hard day at the office when, you know, you know what you have to do tomorrow and the world is going to see it. Um, but I do have to say that I was so blessed to have Emma Bell play my sister because we were so, um, we, we became very close as friends and we built a real safety net around us in terms of our characters and uh, I don't know we just created this wonderful bubble around ourselves where I was I felt very comfortable being vulnerable and raw and um, and I was able to really go there and I needed to go there right. you know to honor uh, to, to honor Andrea's arc and the story so I definitely believe you two were sisters watching it yeah I, oh my god I feel like she is my sister mm-hmm. I still see her every week and we <laughs> oh, have the same birthday really? yeah Oh, yeah, I, I love that. I love that girl. So yeah. I'm going to be very, very. It's going to be very hard the adjustment going back to Atlanta and not having her there because right. we did everything together. We carpooled and rollerbladed, and um, you know, I pretty much adopted her as my little baby sis <laughs> in real life. Uh, awesome. Well, tell me a little bit about the X Files. I was a huge X Files fan, and then uh, your character Marita and I can't get the last name. Kobe Rubius. Kobe Rubius. I just loved that role when I found out That's you were so here. That's so cool. I know. <laughs> what was it like working in the X Files? Um, it was it was great. I mean, I was I was really a kid, um, which I know is strange when you look back because I was playing such a mature character. But um, mm-hmm. I just gotten out of college and um, and there was this part for this woman in her mid thirties that was like the head of the UN, you know, special representative and. I was like a baby, and I was like, oh, I said to my agent at the time, I'm not right for this part. I, I, I don't think I should, you know, this is a waste of my time. She's like, oh, just go, just go. And I was so nervous in the audition, um, and just because it was Chris Carter and the X-Files, and I, I felt like, you know, a fish out of water because I was just out of college. And um, But whatever... Whatever nerves I had, I guess I channeled into being very stoic mm-hmm. and uh, very reserved. And um, it worked for whatever vibe they were going for. I got the part. And, you know, it was it was surreal. Mm-hmm. It was surreal to be on, you know, one of the biggest shows in the world. And, uh, and just out of college. Just out of college. <laughs> and, uh, you know, to be playing this, this really official, mm-hmm. together, mysterious... Woman, but I had a great time with David, David Duchovny, um, you know, because he's a laugh riot. And that's what I. That's what I heard. Yeah, he's 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 good peeps. So, um, you know, in in Kim Manners, you know, oh, yeah. the, such a lovely man, and there was just so many people that I, I just treasured working with. So, and I was you know on it on and off for years. Right. So I kind of so they finally destroyed your character in the end. So they finally destroyed my character, <laughs> but I felt like by the time I finished, because when I was a first cast I you know I, I kind of was like god I hope they don't 
find out, you know, that I'm like not, you know, this, this grown up woman, you know, I right. still felt like a kid. Right. And then by the time I finished, I felt like I had grown up on the show and I'd like gotten in my skin. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. I was, I was like officially, you know, okay, yeah, I'm a mature woman now. Right. Where before I was like, you know, putting on my grown up suit. <laughs> right. <laughs> so you kind of grew into the, the role kind of grew with you. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. But a phenomenal role. I still, when I, I still remember it when the moment I found out you were there, I was like, oh yeah, that's who she is. Picture the roles and the different times that you were in there and just different scenes. Phenomenal. That's so Absolutely. sweet. Thank you so one, much. One of my favorite roles that you've done. I loved you in Walking Dead, too. Don't get me mind. So, oh, wow. But uh, love the X-Files and that. For you as an actress, is there a role or some kind of, uh, you know, a film, a series, something out there that you'd like to play? Is there something you'd like to portray? Um, I think two things right now. I mean, right now, because it's wherever you are in your life. Um, well put. I would like to do a really zany comedy. Really? Yeah. I could see you as a comic. Seriously. Sure. Well, my <laughs> friends know that I'm completely, you know, <laughs> zany. But, um, you know, I've, I've spent so much time, uh, you know, killing monsters and sobbing my guts out and vomiting in pain. Yes. And I would really like to... <laughs> lighten it up a little lighten bit. Lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> I'd like to do a romantic comedy where I get the guy and order a pizza and, right on. you know, trip over my shoes and, you know, whatever that fun stuff. Cool, that, cutesy, fun role. Yeah. You'd look great in that. That'd Thank be great. You. How was it working with Jim Carrey? It was a lot of fun. Was it he was just a, a nutball, or did you actually get a lot of work done? I mean, how was that? Well, we got a lot of work done. I'm but, sure um, We actually have a very similar sense of humor. Okay. So um, we laughed a lot. We laughed a lot on that set. Fantastic. Uh, any other future projects other than Walking Dead that are coming down the pike for you? Not right now. Um, probably after second season, but... I mean, I you know, who knows? Anything can happen. But they've kept us so busy with the promotion of the show. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's been a bit of a... It's been an international whirlwind. And we're going to go back into season two soon. So right now I'm just... And it's a very hard show to shoot because we're on location for months at a time, you know, away from our families and, um, you know, where we live. I mean, we're all on location in Atlanta. So um, I'm just really you know, filling up my love tank and spending as much time with my, my family and friends as possible before I, you know, go off and fight zombies. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a great actress. You're out there signing autographs for the fans. How do you like that? Coming to conventions, signing autographs, meeting the fans, and how long have you been doing that? Um, this is this is all relatively new. I've been to Comic Con a few times wow. because I've been doing this kind of. You're gonna work. go. You're gonna go to the good one. Yeah. I've been going at the these big, 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 big. Comic Con, but it's it's nice to come um, and be at a smaller convention and really have more personal interaction. Fan with the run, fans. far points, yeah, fantastic, it's really sweet. good, good it's for really you. Sweet, and I've been able to really talk to people and they've you know just, more interaction. Yeah, for you, yeah, yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's really it's been a wonderful time. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you. Like this was fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Before thank you. season two. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. you got to pick up the graphic novel. Uh, you I will. Like You're right. I do. Because you'll love it. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. good. It's it's kind of a page turn. You can't put it down. I haven't read it either, but and I that's watched the show like, all in one bunch in one weekend. It was like, wow. Wow. You You're brave. two in the morning after, you know. You'd not I bet you slept well. I love the mist. Oh, I great. I like the ending, but I love the rest of it. The ending was a little depressing. Yeah. yeah we interviewed Sam Whitworth last year. He was at Farpoint last year.
Well, we hope you enjoyed our interview with Laurie Holden, the beautiful Laurie Holden from Walking Dead. Mm-hmm. I just paused there for a moment, Miles. I had to. Laurie Holden from The Walking Dead. Be sure to tune in on Halloween this next year when Walking Dead premieres for I can't 13 wait. episodes. I can't wait. Not just six, 13 episodes. Mm-hmm. So they're lengthening the season. Yeah, that's good. So I'm really happy about that. Well, our Sci-Fi 5 of 5 tonight, we are going to do by talking about our top five moments at Shore Leave. We just returned from the Shore Leave Con. You've been hearing us mention it, so hopefully you're not sick of hearing about Shore Leave yet. But our top five moments. Now, if you've been following us on Facebook and Twitter, you know the photographs we've been posting there. We want to share some of the highlights of this con. And again, we we like Shore Leave. Real good. Oh, we love Shore Leave, and uh, I, I would. I mean, I have five things, but I could easily go to ten or a little more. Just, to, but just, just for brevity, I, just, just pick. I picked five things out that. Yeah, I really liked. Are there things that we weren't thrilled about? Maybe. Yeah, there were a few things mm-hmm. I would have mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had a good interview with Gary Lockwood, but he kind of was not really into Star Trek, was he? No, I was. Two thousand one uh, was more his speed. He would, he, you know, just, uh, I mean, uh, you, you just, we get what his philosophy was as far as, you know, the business and, uh, um, but he did have a lot of, you know, respect and admiration for Stanley Kubrick and to be in one of his movies. I think that's what he yeah. considers like a real feather in his cap. You, you know, and you want to almost fault him and say, what are you doing at a science fiction convention if you don't like Star Trek, right? However, he However. was probably, he was one of the, he was really accessible to the fans. And, and you know, I got to give him that. I mean, uh, he, 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 he gave, Plenty of his time to the fans. He uh, he posed for pictures, and uh, you know. So you know, as far as as far as a con guest, I mean, uh, yeah, he's perfect. He's perfect for the fan run con. You know, and he didn't just say hi, how you doing. He spent like five or six minutes with guests, with people that came up to visit him. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. uh, he he was very generous with his time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In fact, probably the least accessible guest was Trisha Helfer, in my opinion. Well, that, that's true. One, she was she she didn't, she didn't make it till Saturday morning. Right, and and then she she left her you know a little earlier on on Sunday, and so right, and uh, and so that was part of it, and the other part is when she had a signing line, it went for like two hours long. Oh my yes, she, yeah. So you didn't have a lot of time. Yeah, I was, I, and it was it was interesting juxtaposition because. I mean, she had a lot of also the personal, you know, the really nice pictures you get with her. You pay you pay more money for it, but for some reason, I got there and I was like the only person there. So I mean, I was in and out in in minutes. Yeah, I don't know if that's because of the time change or what. I, I think know. I think the time change probably kind of they had to shift it around because Eddie McClintock decided he was going to show up late. He got stranded in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah, whatever, Eddie. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> See, we're on a first name basis now. I'm just kidding. So let's go into our five things that we liked about Shirley. Why don't we do like every other? So why don't you do your five? I'll do my five, and we'll do it that way. Okay, sound so, good. So why don't you start? Okay. Um, one of, one of my favorite moments at Shirley, and I hope it'll stay that way after I see this. But I'm a huge Star Blazers fan, 
and I, I didn't know this, and uh, this is, I guess, just kind of under the radar here, but there was a live-action Star, Star Blazers movie made in Japan, and so I ordered a DVD there, uh, the table that I, I didn't have any left, but they were going to ship me one, so I'm, I'm looking forward to getting that. Very cool, and uh, that's, a, that's a fan of Heather's, too, I believe. Yeah, yeah she was a huge show. Star Blazers fan, yeah, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about Heather in a little bit. Um, mine, my, my favorite movie was Coming Home. I mean, not coming home from the con, mm. but it felt like when I came to the con that I had arrived home in a way. Because not only was the god-awful carpet and the <laughs> decorations of the hotel there that I'm familiar with, but, you know, we came home and we saw the Stargate, which we saw the very first year, up and proud, posed there. Ed and his droid were there. Starship Farragut was there. Brown Coast Redemption crew was there, mm -hmm. you know, with Mike Doherty and those guys, John Broughton with Farragut. There were a lot of familiar faces. All the authors that we, that's my next one, but I won't jump ahead, but, uh, you know, uh, it was just, it felt like these are the people that we see time in and time again. Were there new faces? Absolutely. I met some nice new people I'm going to mention in a little bit, mm -hmm. but wow. Yeah, I, 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 that'd be that'd be my my feeling too. It's just seeing the familiar faces. I mean, unfortunately, we we don't get a chance. We we may see some of them at Farpoint, but some of these people we only see once a year. We get may talk to them on Skype when we record a podcast, but actually seeing with them, hanging out with them, maybe interact it. with them on Twitter a little bit. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I agree. And uh, just some of the, that's just that's just the way it is. And. And the other thing is we, we've got to know a lot of the people that work the cons because we are repeat, you know, we kind right. of – because of our nature and our role and responsibility. You know, I was talking with Chris about this, my wife, that we really don't experience the cons quite the same way someone that goes to a con just to attend does. That's true because we're also there to work. I right. Mean, and, and so we're interacting with the people that are working the con mm -hmm. and a lot of good friends there too. Yeah. So it's great you know, seeing the people at the con, seeing Mike Schilling there. And so Sherry Fowler, this is for you. <laughs> and Marty, this is for you. Mm -hmm. Mike Schilling, this is for you. All the people that work the cons, Ket, a lot of people that really made these cons work. And yeah. not everyone likes the way they work, but they make it function in as good as way possible. Mm -hmm. So uh, why don't you go to your number four? Uh, I – this covers a lot of territory. The great interviews we got with the shore leave guests. I think yeah. we're gonna have. I think you, you our listeners, are gonna enjoy uh, the, these interviews. We have got these people. You're gonna have a fun time. Uh, I, I think. I think for the most part, um, all all of them were, were, were very generous with their time, and um, and so, I, I, so I think we got some really good interviews for you. Yeah. No. No. Uh, Forty five minute interviews, but no. that's all right. Yeah. What well, What was our longest interview? Do you know? Oh, it was about twenty minutes. Okay. So that's good. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what they. Really should run anyways, but maybe mm -hmm. they'll keep our show closer to an hour. This one should be closer to an hour than some of our shows have been. Mm -hmm. My number four is meeting Eric and Brian from Dash Punk Media. I did a panel on podcasting with Eric. First time I ever met him. Mm -hmm. um, and these are guys that make a living off of podcasting. So I'm kind of interested in dialoguing with him a little bit about it. That'd be but, but, you know, we had a great conversation about Stargate with, um, with Brian and, uh, they were just really nice people, some really nice podcasters. They run uh, something called Dash Punk if you want to check it out on the web. Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't listened to any of their podcasts yet, uh, but we had just a real good time talking about podcasting. Wayne Hall was on that panel, mm -hmm. and so it was a fun panel to be in. And actually another panel that didn't make it was the Fringe panel that, that I was a part of. I wasn't actually on the panel, but I was in the audience. Just really had a phenomenal time. Cool. Uh, my, my third one was reconnecting with uh, old friends, uh, Dayton, Kevin, Keith, 
the other Star Trek authors, uh, the Frasers, and uh, making new friends. And so uh, when I told, basically when I told somebody that I had become a recent convert to Stargate and how much I've watched, um, I was uh, embraced with open arms. I mean, Right. Uh, In fact, they told you to slow down a bit. Christopher Judge told you you could slow down a little bit. If Teal tells you you can slow down, all you say is indeed. Yes, that's all I can. <laughs> <laughs> that's all you say. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number three was hanging out with the authors. So similar to your number three, uh, especially Aaron Rosenberg, I felt like I've kind of connected to. Keith DeCanada is always there, although I didn't get a chance to talk to him too much. Right. Dayton and Dilmore talked in passing, didn't really sit down and talk to him. Next year we might need to try to make a – more effort just to, to try to hang out with them more. Well, you know, I'd, I'd have been to a lot more of the panels when they were on if they didn't conflict with some of our interviewing schedule. That's so. the, that's the, that's the thing you and I were yeah, working. That's yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, your number two? My number two, um, guilty as charged. I'm meeting my new hero, Teal himself, Christopher Judge. Uh, I'm on a huge Stargate kick and, uh, I love his character and he was just a lot of fun. I think. Fun in the sessions and fun when we interviewed him. Exactly. And I, I think he, he was a very accessible, you know, guest at the convention, you have, you got plenty of FaceTime with him. You know, he was, he was up for pictures. He was up for anything. I mean, he posed, yeah. you know, in you, front you of like the FaceTime. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I, we, we talk about this alleged man crush I have with, uh, Chris Judge. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm going to tell you that, you know, we're going to have to edit that interview just a little bit. Yeah, we might have to edit it a little bit. Uh, maybe, maybe, just, or just put a disclaimer. Just make it a little more, yeah. Would that get, would that get the explicit tag if I left it in? Maybe, 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 maybe they Just for that one, just for that one comment. Uh, anyways, anyway, now everyone's wondering what it is, and we aren't telling. Maybe we should the, that. <laughs> the number two was, of course, the guests. When you go to Shorely, you go to see the actors, <coughs> and all of them are very gracious with their time. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one of the ones we didn't mention that, but uh, Amelia Ullerup, phenomenal lady, beautiful young, young lady. Um, not hard on the eye by any means at all. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, she, she's a very very lovely, attractive woman. Uh, her career is kind of getting started, and so it was, you know, just kind of, she's, she's definitely an up-and-comer. We're going to definitely see her in, in, in more. Watch Yes. She's in it. She's mm-hmm. in it. And your number one and my number one are the same. That was uh, not planned. Um, no. I, you know, sometimes, I, think, I mean, you get to enjoy a lot of stuff, but it just, it's just nice to just sit sit down with a couple couple people and just – just just hang out and talk and chill and uh, hanging out with John and Heather Frazier uh, was was a lot of fun for me. Um, a lot of common, you know, we have definitely a lot of common interests. I don't, you know, I mean, John reads Star Trek novels, I read Star Trek novels, so that's cool. And um, Heather and I both like Star Blazers, and so and there's a lot of there, we just like a lot of the same shows overall. It seems right. like, and so you know, we sat down probably an hour and a half with them and just talked. You know, all sorts of sci-fi stuff. Right. And we just went from here to there to this, and it was some really good times. I really wish those guys lived closer. I did. Uh, I, I, so they say they might make Farpoint uh, next year, and I, I hope they do. What I have to do is with Salt Tai and uh, Ellen Tai there. Yeah. You know, I've I've offered our bed and breakfast. They can come stay here, right? I told okay. Them. You, I told you, them. You, 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 so it's out there. John, yes. Heather, our bed and breakfast. Come on. You, right. got, you guys rock. And we dedicate this episode to you. All right. So that was very good. So that's our Sci-Fi 5 and 5. And Miles, that's a good show, good meaty show that we have. Mm-hmm. And we got to wrap it up. Okay. Well, till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Out
space We're leaving Mother Earth To save the human race Our star blazers Searching for a distant star Heading off to Iskandar Leaving all we love behind Who knows what dangers we'll find We must be strong and brave Our home we've got to save If we don't, in just one year, Mother Earth will disappear. Fighting with the Gamelons, we won't stop until we've won. Then we'll return, and when we arrive, the Earth will survive with our star blazers. 